What's up, everyone? It's Coach Mike here. Welcome to episode two of Sub 10. In today's episode, we are going to talk a little bit about Nordics. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, my current training program and what I've, been, what I've been up to with my own program that I'm sort of creating. And I'll finish off with a little story. So, the first episode of Sub 10 was over 10 minutes. Today, we have an update. I'm using a stopwatch, so we're not going to go over 10 minutes today. It is meant to be sub-10 minutes of pure entertainment, education, and the best training advice that you can get in under 10 minutes. Because let's be honest, what podcast do you truly listen to all the way to the end all the time? Of course, there's some episodes where you will go all the way through, but most likely after half an hour, 20 minutes, you've probably moved on to something else because there's a new one that's come out or something else has come to your attention. We don't always finish them all. So I want to make sure that we get the most information we can to you, the audience. So I did talk about Nordics in the first episode and I want to touch base on it and say, why do I think we need to be careful when we use them? Nordic is a great exercise. Yes, it has high hamstring stress and activation potential and it does uh, affect the knee and the hip at the same time if you do it right. The problem with a lot of Nordics is that most people aren't ready for Nordics. The other problem with Nordics is you don't need to do a lot of reps or a lot of sets to get the training stimulus you need out of a Nordic. What do I mean by these comments? So first, let's touch on the first thing. In a group setting where you have a lot of athletes, it's very easy to say, all right, partner up, let's hold each other's legs and let's just see what we can get out of a Nordic. Most people will do the first 30 degrees of the movement, okay, and then they're literally doing um, an eccentric overloaded catch push-up, right? Because they just fall to the ground and they have to overload, absorb the force through the upper body. They get back to the top and they start again and they basically only strengthen the top range of the movement. Where is the most stressful point on a Nordic? It's the mid to end range. So like at most exercises, the mid to end range position, which is really hard to control and to showcase a good position. And you need to have really fucking strong hamstrings to do this. So where I would be spending a lot more time than going to Nordics early on, and especially if I've got athletes in a team-based sport or young athletes, is I will be doing a lot, a lot of hamstring walkouts, isometric hamstring exercises, uh, basic hinge mechanics like hip thrusts, single leg hip thrusts, and then moving into RDLs, B-stance, um, and then single leg, and then, or sorry, I've missed the biggest one there that I was meant to say earlier on, do hamstring slide work and spend a lot more time in these areas and play around with the variables to really challenge and strengthen the hamstrings you'll find that you can get a lot out of these exercises without having to then shift towards the Nordic where most people suffer. Now, if you think about athletes who have a larger upper body mass and they go into a Nordic position, it's a lot harder for them instantly because of the upper body mass they have to control that position because of the way your center of mass gets stretched forward in the movement. Um, you don't have uh, a, a really strong pivot point like you do in a lot of other uh, also, and sorry, like um, 
your leverage, your lever arm and your center of mass gets stretched forward in the Nordic much greater than all of these other exercises because of the way that your body falls forward and the stress and the lever that you're sort of responding is down at your feet where you're getting all your all of your um, resisted load back into the body so your head and your body's in front of you and your feet's back here so it's a really 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 advanced challenging exercise but everyone sort of thinks that they need to do Nordics because you need strong hamstrings to stop hamstring injuries. It's not the case. You can do all these other exercises I've just talked about, spend a lot of time in them, spend a lot of time um, building resilience with the variables and the way you do it with pause positions, tempo positions, isometric positions, overloaded, uh, sorry, yielding uh, and, and overcoming. Right, So you can spend a lot of time strengthening the hamstrings with all these other amazing exercises and get a greater training effect than trying to just throw something in there like a Nordic. And a lot of times people argue and say to me, oh, Coach Mike, I don't have any equipment. That's fine. You can still do plenty of great hamstring exercises to strengthen hamstrings other than a Nordic. The Harrop Carol has then come to the party at the moment and it's sort of like where everyone's now going, which is actually a better option. Um, again, it's an isolated knee dominant or sorry, that actually turns it into a isolated hip dominant hamstring exercise with an isometric action at the knee. So you have to actually think about what you're affecting or what you're trying to change, train here. Still a great exercise. It's like if we don't think that that's a, a great exercise, we would think that hip thrusting is not a good exercise. Again, for beginner intermediate athletes, hip thrusting is amazing. For intermediate to advanced athletes, hip thrusting might not be the best exercise to do all the time. Um, the way that we position the feet and the way that we move the hips is not conducive to the strength that we want or the way we want to apply force or utilize the strength of the hamstrings and glutes when we're out actually sprinting and running and change direction. So we have to think logically and deeper around the training that we're getting out of it. Hopefully that's sort of cleared that up. Maybe it hasn't, but I have to keep this sub 10. I've got to stick to my profile, but hopefully it's starting to get you to at least critique and think deeper beyond the scope of just doing because the science says and everyone's doing it, it's not always the case. And this will go with another episode when I probably talk about trap bar deadlifts. Um, all right, little story. So I went to New Zealand recently. I was snowboarding. I was out on a farm having an amazing time. Um, so I'm just going to make sure that I don't go over time so I have to get my clock back because it has gone off as good iPhones do, mine's on the stop. So my story is, I was in New Zealand, having a great time. Uh, hadn't done snowboarding for like four years. Did three days in a row. And Mitch Craze came with me and it was his, his first time. And so we're on the bus for an hour and a half up and down. And our, my science brain doesn't stop. And I'm like, the, the way in which you move your body and, and work on a snowboard is, a, I guess, a, a very specific skill set. And then I was just thinking about action sports and mountain sports and like the power endurance associated with that those type of events commonly um, and how we could potentially look at like training power endurance to improve performance for these athletes and like resilience factors around the positions you're in and the strength you need and... Um, it, it just opened up my idea, my mind, and sort of like got me thinking really, really uh, on a bigger scale around the concept of power endurance training and how we use it 
as athletic performance coaches and where it really fits into our programs because I look around everywhere and where I see it is commonly, yeah, we'll do a lot of like indirect power endurance stuff when we've got athletes who are field-based or um, race-based in their training of their sport, but we don't often do it as well when it comes to the gym-based setting. And then how do we then get the resilience factors to take on the stress of something like snowboarding? Um, it was really interesting. So we had some great um, conversations around that and then starting to analyze what I've done in the past or where I'm at with power endurance-based training system in my program and where it fits. Um, something I'm excited to explore and play with over the next little bit with some of my a- athletes and see where um, we can get some big impact with pa- proper power endurance-based training um, and training the energy system associated with it in a gym-based setting because I think that there's an opportunity there which will have some carryover to on-field or competitive situations where athletes need power endurance. So that's, that's just something I just wanted to bring to people's attention because I want to stay relevant, want to stay in the moment. But my time is up. i got to keep this under 10. Um, I don't have any motivational quotes. The motivation is just if you want something, just get after it. Everyone knows this. Everyone's heard it. If you want to... If you want to get the absolute best of yourself, just do it, as Nike would say. All right, team, that's me over and out. Another episode down. Sub 10, Coach Mike, the most interesting, up-to-date, fun, exciting, educational show now coming to you every week. Let's get it.